And welcome to another exciting episode of Geeks Crossing. I may have no experience in actual earthly real estate whatsoever, but I know that I have a keen eye for it in the Mario universe. Mostly because at least half of the various Mario worlds are basically inhospitable for human life. I've already made two episodes talking about real estate recommendations among the Super Mario 64 worlds and the Super Mario Galaxy... Galaxies... (laughs) Today, we're blasting back into the stars for another celebration of intergalactic homeownership. Super Mario Galaxy 2 introduced plenty of new galaxies and worlds explored by everyone's favorite plumber or his brother. So today, I'm going to take you through a large helping of new galaxies, seeking to once again answer one simple question nobody has ever asked before. Sure, the worlds of the Super Mario games are cool and pretty, but which would actually be realistic for human settlement? The last of this little mini-series was published in December, so let me refresh you on the rules. I'll be considering all the locations to which one can travel in the game Super Mario Galaxy 2 and analyzing the best place an average human could call home. Emphasis on average human. We can't use one-up mushrooms, so safety has to be heavily considered, arguably above everything else. Mario may be able to walk off accidentally stepping into scalding lava or falling down a void, but we definitely can't. We're also going to assume that black holes work like they do in the Mario world and not like they do in real life. And we're going to assume I have a launch star, or maybe more reasonably one of those little toad starships, to reach these galaxies in the first place. By my count, we've got 50 worlds to fly through on this list, the most of this entire miniseries. So pick your favorite galaxy from Super Mario Galaxy 2's fantastic lineup, and see how far it makes it in terms of livability, because we're starting from the very worst galaxies for real estate and working our way up. There's an element of tragedy to the start of this list. The very worst galaxy to live in is also the only galaxy across both Super Mario Galaxy games to have Mario's name in it, the Mario Squared Galaxy. I really enjoy Super Mario Galaxy 2, but not as much as the original, and part of that is because you can tell the developers really phoned it in with a handful of these galaxies. A minority, of course, but still, you can see the repetition. The entirety of the Mario Squared Galaxy consists of the 8-bit Mario planet from the Toy Time Galaxy from the first game. Just that planet. And if you remember that planet, the entire thing is either yellow platforms that flip endlessly, green platforms that shrink into nothing, or boiling lava. The Mario Squared Galaxy does add some of those button platforms that you have to press to unlock the star, so it's not completely tiny, but still. This galaxy has a single planet, and that planet is tiny and so awkwardly shaped, in addition to being covered in disappearing platforms and lava. Definitely not a good place to live, that's for sure. We go forwards and reach a similar problem that the bottom dozen or so galaxies on my last list had. Gimmicky galaxies that have maybe one or two small normal platforms. The Haunty Halls galaxy, which comes next, is made up of platforms that disappear into a mystical darkness. Also, pretty sure this galaxy is totally haunted, so best stay away, because like I said last time, I have no reliable way to deal with ghosts. I'm only human. The Stone Cyclone galaxy is made up of one planet, the Thwomp and Toxbox planet from the Beach Bowl galaxy in the first game. The Beach Bowl galaxy ranked pretty highly on this last list, but... Sure as heck wasn't for this tiny, extremely hazardous nightmare of a planet. The Twisty Trials galaxy is plucked from one side mission of Super Mario Sunshine, one where you have to jump from spinning wooden block to spinning wooden block. There's a few wooden blocks that don't spin, but they're too small to build a comfortable home, or do much else than just catch your breath and stare into the headache-inducing skybox. 
Then we reach some of Super Mario Galaxy 2's most infamous gimmicks, the flip swap platforms and the beat blocks, both of which would reach their full potential in Super Mario 3D World. The whole gimmick of flip swap platforms and walls is that every time that you jump, they move, while beat blocks just move every couple seconds regardless of what you do. I don't do a lot of jumping in the air, so I guess the beat block galaxy would be a worse place to build a home than the flip swap galaxy or the flip out galaxy, but none of them would make me feel particularly safe. Since I'm sure, I don't know, I feel like I'd jump at least once or twice, and I always be worried I'm gonna do it. So they're all at the bottom of this list. Only a handful of tiny starting platforms make these galaxies even slightly viable. Next up is the Melty Monster Galaxy, a galaxy inspired by Melty Molten Galaxy from the first game. The Melty Monster Galaxy is even worse than the Melty Molten Galaxy, though, because it doesn't even have any decent-sized platforms to settle, and it's full of horrifying lava monsters, and horrifying lava in general. No thanks. Speaking of galaxies full of lava, the Shiverburn Galaxy is next. Also nearly completely covered by lava, the Shiverburn does narrowly beat the Melty Monster Galaxy, since you can at least freeze the lava. Don't ask how that makes any sense. But even if the lava becomes a non-issue, it's quite a hassle to freeze it over, and even then, living on a sheet of ice doesn't sound like a very comfortable existence, especially knowing that there's lava underneath the surface. Oh, and this goes without saying, but even if the surface was perfectly reasonable for building a house, I'd have to live under the watchful eye of the infamous Hell Valley Sky Trees, so no thank you. Next, we have two more spooky galaxies, the Flash Black Galaxy, and only slightly beating it, the Boo Moon Galaxy. The Flash Black Galaxy was almost my contender for the worst galaxy on this list, since it's almost completely in darkness, constantly. Sure, I could set up some lights, but living without ever seeing sunlight or even moonlight has got to do something to a person on a psychological level. That said, it at least has space I could settle, as does the Boo Moon Galaxy, but neither are much to write home about, and besides, they're both haunted anyway. Next! Just beating those two, we have the Boss Blitz Galaxy, and another example of Super Mario Galaxy 2's slightly uninspired nature, as this galaxy is comprised of four back-to-back -back boss fights from the first game. I don't see how that makes any sense in-universe, but this is a Mario game, so I'll suspend my disbelief. Obviously, I'm not exactly a boss fight kind of guy myself. Maybe I could explain myself to Dino Piranha, King Caliente, or Major Burrows, Boulder Geist is probably a lost cause, and live side by side. Maybe they only hate Mario because he's after their power stars, and since I'm not, there won't be a problem? I don't know, but since I know I don't stand a chance against any of these guys in combat without substantial weaponry, I'm going to steer clear of the boss blitz galaxy. Besides, even if I did beat these bosses somehow, or make a deal with them, I'd only really get a decent-sized plain platform to settle. Not prime real estate, if you ask me. Speaking of bosses, though, this leads us to that familiar spot towards the bottom of the list, where we rank all the Bowser and Bowser Jr. galaxies. Bowser's Galaxy Generator, Bowser Jr.'s Boom Bunker, Bowser's Gravity Gauntlet, Bowser's Lava Lair, Bowser Jr.'s Fiery Flotilla, and Bowser Jr.'s Fearsome Fleet. It's just about the same exact situation as the last list. Bowser worlds are incredibly dangerous, usually full of boiling lava, minimalistic or gimmicky platforms, and an army's worth of enemies. As such, these are ranked in no particular order, except Bowser Jr.'s Fearsome Fleet definitely wins out, considering, like Bowser Jr.'s Airship Armada from the first game, it's largely comprised of airships and larger moving platforms, which make a lot better real estate than giant suns crawling with bullet bills. With the Bowser galaxies in the rearview mirror, the next most livable galaxy is the Slipsand Galaxy. You know what, I'd like to point out this time that unlike the galaxies of the first game, which were all prefaced with the word the on the Mario wiki, the galaxies in the sequel game are inconsistently referred to as the blank galaxy or just blank galaxy. I always pronounce the galaxies in each game without the the in front until I started doing my research for the previous episode of this miniseries, 
So maybe I'm just overcorrecting, but I'm gonna stick with calling galaxies the blank galaxy, just to be safe and consistent. But I totally digress. We're not talking about the blank galaxy, we're talking about the Slepsand galaxy. This galaxy faces similar problems to Dusty Dune Galaxy, being the generic desert world. But instead of going for a classic desert motifs, the Slipsand Galaxy is dark and cloudy. If this is as realistic as a de normal desert at night, it's probably freezing. In fact, sometimes below freezing. Plus, there's not really any good real estate here, so yeah, let's not waste our time. Next up is the Flipsville Galaxy. Their name may make it sound like there's already some sort of civilization here, but sadly, that is not the case. Wouldn't you believe it? We're still shifting our way through galaxies that are only valuable because of one or two normal platforms. There is indeed a house here, which could be used as a structure to live inside, but this is counterbalanced by all the gravity switching back and forth. We'll talk more about that in a bit. The Sweet Mystery Galaxy faces similar problems. You're expected to walk on invisible platforms in the void of space, so uh, I'll stick to the few normal platforms. Thank you very much. There is some giant food, so that's kind of cool, but other than that, there's nothing to really write home about. The Chompworks Galaxy is one of my favorite galaxies from this game, as it centers around a sort of chain chomp factory. But we wouldn't be able to settle most of this galaxy due to those accursed flip switches and a planet of boiling lava. However, the starting planet is decently sized, so as long as you don't get in the way of the chain chomps, which aren't ravenous or even slightly animalistic in the galaxy games, you can make a fairly competent living situation for yourself. You can even hang out with the Gearmos, those little robots, and have yourself some mechanical neighbors. You'll probably be surprised to hear that the Upside Dizzy Galaxy and the Right Side Down Galaxy made it this high on the list. Okay, this isn't high on the list or anything, but still. These two worlds that revolve almost entirely around gravity switching managed to beat out quite a few normal by comparison galaxies. The reason why is that both galaxies have secret stars that teleport you to a large platform with a Gearmo and some crates to destroy. These two platforms are decently sized and would provide a tolerable place to live, if not anything actually pleasant. At least you got a Gearmo, buddy. Oh, and the only reason the right side down galaxy beats the upside dizzy galaxy is because the former has daylight as opposed to night. Sometimes the skybox makes all the difference. This may be controversial, but up next is the Grandmaster Galaxy. The final galaxy, only unlocked by beating all other galaxies, was my number one pick on my last list as it was a relaxing stroll through a peaceful mushroom kingdom. In the sequel, though, the true finale world is a breakneck adventure through numerous obstacles and enemies. A fun and exhilarating journey for Mario, but a headache for potential in-universe real estate agents. There's a few nice platforms, including a lovely little planet that acts as a callback to the Gateway Galaxy from the first game, but I'd rather avoid Grandmaster if given the choice. The Battle Belt Galaxy is a very interesting galaxy, made up of several small to medium-sized spherical planets, and they're populated by enemies that one must defeat. Fortunately, the enemies are a piece of cake. Goombas, little Goombas with jack-o'-lanterns on their heads. Crabbers, which are pretty much just crabs. Unfortunately, the thought of settling down on a small sphere, or even a series of small spheres, really isn't anything I'd jump to take advantage of. I feel like I would get very dizzy. In my last list, I ended up placing the Bowie Base Galaxy, the Battle Rock Galaxy, and the Dreadnought Galaxy fairly closely together, and decently high up, Due to their status as massive pre-existing structures that Mario could have moved into had he recognized the value of good real estate. Well, in Super Mario Galaxy 2, we have the Space Storm Galaxy and the Fleet Glide Galaxy. Mario doesn't stop to appreciate the value of the large rocket in the Space Storm Galaxy or the massive space station in the Fleet Glide Galaxy, for whatever reason. So here I am. Sadly, the quality of the rocket in the Space Storm Galaxy is lacking when compared to the similar structures in the Battle Rock or Dreadnought Galaxy, and the space station Mario and his bird companion Fluzzard soar through reveals it's filled, at least partially, 
with frightening machines and more lava. So, though I'm sure these structures could be useful, and these galaxies are in the top half of quality galaxies, yes, we've officially crossed that threshold, they're far from desirable real estate. Next up is the Hightail Falls Galaxy. Surrounded by beautiful vistas of clean, flowing waterfalls, the decent-sized wooden platforms one could settle here are, again, decent, but they at least come with a very nice view. Wait, with all that water vapor in the air from all those waterfalls, wouldn't that eventually decay the wooden platforms? I guess it's possible the platforms only look like they're made of wood. I guess that's probably thinking too much into it. It also stands to reason that these waterfalls have to be pouring in from somewhere, and beyond them, maybe there's a wonderfully large and beautiful paradise of a planet. But we can't really judge galaxies based on the world that might exist in their skyboxes, since we can only speculate. Next up is the Rolling Coaster Galaxy, for a fairly boring reason. No, a looping slide of a roller coaster is not a logical place to build a home, but the rolling coaster of the rolling coaster galaxy starts and ends with two fairly large platforms, so beats a lot of other worlds. Kind of crazy how that has to be our main factor a lot of the time. What are the sizes of the platforms you begin and end on? Fan favorite supermassive galaxy comes next, though to be honest, for all of the giant lumas, giant goombas, giant thwomps, giant koopas, giant star chips, the platforms really aren't anything too big, which is a real shame. There are some decent chunks of land to call home, but nothing to earn the supermassive galaxy anything more than minor props. The next most livable world is the Clockwork Ruins Galaxy. Though this is another world with only small to decently sized normal chunks of land to settle, I admit I think it would be cool to live by ruins, study them, learn from them. I mean, if you didn't know by now, I'm a history lover. Who else would upload a <laughs> episode of Geek Crossing talking about the best Roman emperors? That said, this galaxy is full of tumbling rocks and hammers, so I don't think it would be exactly prime real estate. Our next galaxy is the Slimy Spring Galaxy, which I would compare with the Big Mouth Galaxy from the first game in that it's mostly uninhabitable save for a wonderful little private beach. Although I guess in this galaxy it's more like a little park. There's like stone and grass. Still, nice little area. And speaking of nice little areas, in quick succession up next we both have the Puzzle Plank Galaxy, and the Tall Trunk Galaxy. Both of these galaxies have wonderful aesthetics, the former having orange and red autumnal grass spread across its planets, the latter having a big beautiful tree populated by literal wooden people called the Whittles. But despite these strengths, we can't get around the fact that each of these galaxies have only one, maybe two planets to settle apiece, as the Puzzle Plank Galaxy is mostly composed of large blocks of wood hurtling through space, while the Tree Trunk Galaxy is mostly one giant tree with a splinter-inducing slide. Still, it would be pretty sick to live inside a giant tree. The Spindig Galaxy comes next, home to several decent-sized planets. And not just any planets, but earthly planets, where you could grow food in the soil. That's a major plus. Of course, the planets themselves aren't anything too big, and are mostly just plain, vaguely planetoid clumps of dirt floating in space, so there's something to be said for a want of scenery if you decided to call the Spindig Galaxy your home. I wouldn't have expected this galaxy of all galaxies to be our first to have multiple large planets to potentially settle, but here we are at the Rolling Masterpiece Galaxy. Mario can balance himself on a giant ball from planet to planet, but for the average homeowner looking to settle down, any of these planets, from the fairly typical green platforms to the spherical planets peppered with paintbrushes, try saying that three times fast, could make decent homes. Nothing actually that attractive about this galaxy, but options are options, even when they're just for small, less than impressive platforms. Up next, we have the Boulder Bowl Galaxy, which basically functions as a better spin-dig galaxy for real estate. Instead of a few tiny dirt-covered planets, the Boulder Bowl gives us two fairly large dirt-covered platforms to work with. The starting planet in particular could make for some happy living, and this is one of the biggest, mostly flat platforms we've seen yet. 
Of course, living on a platform made of just dirt in the night sky isn't an enviable location, even if you could maybe plant some grass and spruce up the place. That's why the Cloudy Court Galaxy is up next. It is a fairly large starting platform too, but a grassy one and under a clear blue sky. Unfortunately, the gimmick of this galaxy is that everything's kind of windy, so I imagine that might be somewhat annoying. But you can make do. Speaking of chillier galaxies, the Freezy Flake Galaxy is next. When you land, you'll find a cozy looking log cabin that unfortunately belongs to someone else. But the second planet of this galaxy is large enough to build a perfectly suitable home. There's even a big hill for some sledding. Sure, it'll be cold, and you don't have a ton of options for where to build your house, but compared to most of the galaxies in this game, you could do a whole lot worse. We're actually about to enter the final 10 locations of this game that you could possibly make a home for yourself. So if you haven't heard your favorite galaxy mentioned yet, then congratulations, you have a true eye for real estate. That or these levels could just be, you know, fun. <laughs> Starting with the cream of the crop, we have the Yoshi Star Galaxy. There's plenty of decent to large sized, comfortable, grassy planets to call home here. In fact, you start on one of the biggest we've come across yet. And to think you can get access to your very own Yoshi. Think of all the childhood dreams that could be made by moving to the Yoshi Star Galaxy. The downside is that there are, of course, still the dangers of falling to your doom on a lot of those planets. And that big, beautiful starting planet is also home to an active volcano. Sure, when it erupts, it seems to erupt smoke, but if I saw smoke billowing from the top of a volcano-shaped mountain, I probably wouldn't rest easy, and I don't think I'd lay roots down right next to it. I know I keep mentioning the previous list, but seeing as this list is quite literally a direct sequel that deals with the game that's also a sequel, it's almost guaranteed. But anyway, in the previous installment, the Bee Galaxies, that being the Honey Hive Galaxy and the Gold Leaf Galaxy, made it quite far up in terms of valuable real estate. Well, just beating the Yoshi Star Galaxy, I ranked the Honey Bloom Galaxy, for the same reason the Bee Galaxies were ranked so highly last time. A huge planet with hospitable terrain and a wholesome race of bee people sounds like paradise compared to the small, unfriendly, and typically very lonely galaxies past. However, unlike the Honey Hive Galaxy and the Gold Leaf Galaxy, the main planet in Honey Bloom is a little more awkwardly shaped. I'm sure one could make a perfectly comfortable life for oneself on top of the large grassy cliffs, but as Mario does most of his platforming in dangerous crevices below the surface, it might not be as easy and straightforward to settle down here as it might look at first. That's not the last we'll hear from the bee galaxies, but next up, I have a location that will probably come as a pretty big shock to anyone who's been listening to this miniseries since it first started. Starship Mario. That's right, for the first time in this miniseries, the hub world didn't place first or second in terms of real estate. In fact, it's placed eighth out of all the locations in Super Mario Galaxy 2. I don't think this is necessarily because the galaxies are more friendly to the average human in this game than in the predecessor, but rather because the hub world is much smaller. Unlike the Comet Observatory, a sprawling flat surface with many different rooms, Starship Mario is basically a mid-sized sphere with one or two interior rooms. It's nice to have a space without enemies or danger or black holes, which is how Starship Mario ranked this highly to begin with, but at the end of the day, this game's hub world is really just another planet, the likes of which wouldn't even be that out of place for a home in the Battle Belt Galaxy or the Rolling Masterpiece Galaxy. And geez, how long has it been since we talked about them? I exaggerate. And Starship Mario is a perfectly fine location to make a home. Again, it's totally safe from enemies, surrounded by friendly Lumas and other cosmic guests. And I guess it's mobile. Though, much like the Comet Observatory, it would be too much of a cop-out to rank Starship Mario in terms of its mobility so that I could simply visit all the other galaxies on this list rather than move in. There's just something about spending my days running around in literal circles that seems a bit lackluster. The next spot on this list, 
will probably also surprise those who've listened to this miniseries before. The Throwback Galaxy. Yes, everyone's favorite reskin of Womp's Fortress from Super Mario 64 has made it this high. Or maybe I should say this low. It placed 6th out of Super Mario 64 real estate, and its carbon copy placed 7th out of the Super Mario Galaxy 2 real estate. But seeing as the original placed 6th out of 19 or 20 worlds, and the Throwback Galaxies placed 7th out of 50, it's definitely an upgrade. The main reason is that it really isn't fair to call the Throwback Galaxy a carbon copy, as I so carelessly did. It's actually slightly bigger than it was before, meaning that the valuable bottom half of the fortress is even larger and more friendly to real estate. My pros from the Super Mario 64 list still stand. There are still pink bombs to hang out with. As do my cons. The top half of the level is somewhat dangerous, and there's always a threat of falling to your doom, but you'll be hard-pressed to find a flat platform where that's not a risk. Still, you could do a whole lot worse than setting down roots in a literal fortress. In sixth place, we return once again to our friends the bees in the Honey Hop Galaxy. Here, you have your choice of two large planets with grassy cliffs and clear running water, once again, there's a friendly species of bee people to interact with. I know I'm not the biggest fan of bees or bugs in general, but something about these guys makes me feel like they're alright. Maybe it's the cartoony features, their ability to speak English, the fact that bees have evolved in this universe to develop complex systems of government like the monarchy under which they live. Whatever it is, I feel right at home in the Honeyhop Galaxy. The only big drawback is that the floors of many of these galaxies are covered in water. This is meant to be an obstacle for B-Mario to overcome in-game, but it's also an obstacle for Mario realtors such as myself. Perhaps a house built here could be put on planks or stilts. I think you can make it work. The fifth best galaxy in Super Mario Galaxy 2 is the Fluffy Bluff Galaxy. I think this is probably my favorite galaxy in the game, and the one that comes to mind when I picture this game. Maybe that's just because Cloud Mario is one of my favorite power-ups. But I digress. As the name implies, the Fluffy Bluff Galaxy is made up of several giant bluffs and a grassy valley in the middle consisting of a river and a large tree. It's a great little secluded spot to build yourself a home. Of course, nothing too big, and the fear of falling to your death is present since the galaxy is totally flat. And yeah, you don't really have any neighbors, but whether the risks outweigh the reward is up to you. For me though, four galaxies beat this cozy, secluded little cove. Fourth place goes to the Sky Station Galaxy. This game's equivalent of both the tutorial world and the good egg-style first galaxy that shows you the ropes for how to play, down to the freshly hatched piranha plant boss fight. As such, the Sky Station Galaxy is quite easy when compared to the rest, and has many decent to large grassy planets one could call home. Though fairly plain, it makes one of the best homes in the game because, after all, fairly plain environments are where humans feel the safest. I can practically smell the housing market in the Sky Station Galaxy already. Now, the third best galaxy in Super Mario Galaxy 2 for average human real estate is the Cosmic Cove Galaxy. The penguins are probably one of my favorite sentient species in the Super Mario Galaxy games, though I may be a little biased since the Beach Bowl Galaxy is a contender for my favorite level in the first game. I was bummed when they only appeared in a single galaxy in the sequel, but even though I would greatly enjoy living among the penguins, that's not the only reason the Cosmic Cove Galaxy made it this high. The main planet of this galaxy consists of high, rocky cliffs and a deep blue sea. There's also a decent-sized beach reminiscent of the one from Jolly Roger Bay, though that may just be because of the dark sky and the overbearing cliffs surrounding it. One could easily build a house on the cliffs overlooking the waters. Imagine how fun it would be to jump right in. Or perhaps the beach would be a nice place to build a, well, a beach house, obviously. As such, this planet could be your own little slice of heaven. As long as you stay on this planet, the dangers aren't overwhelming. I can't even really find anything bad to say about it, just outside of some underwater threats like jellyfish and whatnot. But these threats are easy enough to avoid. 
Even though there is no beach ball galaxy in the game and the penguins are confined to the Cosmic Cove galaxy, that doesn't mean Super Mario Galaxy 2 is without a tropical beach, which is why the second best galaxy to call home would be the Starshine Beach Galaxy. I may have never ranked Super Mario Sunshine real estate, seeing as it's all one tropical island, but you could probably get a sense that the Isle Delfino would do very well for itself in terms of livability, seeing as the galaxy it inspired is better than 48 other locations in Super Mario 64. Home to the affable Piantas, the main planet of the Starshine Beach Galaxy is covered in crystal clear blue waters and soft white sand. Even describing it brings to mind the beautiful Caribbean aesthetic of Super Mario Sunshine and making me wish I was at Starshine Beach Galaxy instead of trudging through a chilly northeastern spring. <laughs> Although the water-to-land ratio is a little skewed, one could easily take my proposal from the Honeyhop Galaxy and build their house on stilts or planks. There's a fair amount of land, the sun is always shining, and the water looks quite inviting. Plus... Though they don't quite reach the rank of penguins, I do enjoy the Piantas as well, and I'm sure they'd make great neighbors. Assuming someone who looks just like me doesn't commit a crime and I get blamed for it. Well, there's only one galaxy left in the entire game. It may not be a warm beach or a safe, spherical, penguin-filled oasis, but my top galaxy for real estate in Super Mario Galaxy 2 is the Wild Glide Galaxy. I was very surprised to find that this galaxy rose above the rest, but it's got a great thing going for it. Size. The gimmick of this galaxy is that Mario is carried through the main planet by a bird called Fluzzard and darts away from trees and through tunnels until reaching the end in decent time. That's all fine and good for Mario, but by doing this he misses the valuable real estate of this main planet. It's huge! One of the biggest in the game, if not the biggest outright. There's not a single enemy to be found, just friendly gibber jays talking tropical birds. Speaking of tropical, I imagine the weather is nice here, judging by the jungle aesthetic and the clear blue skies. There's plenty of land to settle, widespread trees, and even a beautiful running river, though I wouldn't ride it to the end if I were you. But after the construction of a cautionary dam at the end of the river, I can't find a fault in this beautiful jungle paradise. Just don't walk off the edge, a common concern among most flat planets in this game. If that's the worst you have to worry about, it really is quite a surprise Mario chose to fly right over this planet. If he's really on the hunt for gold coins, they say that real estate is the best way to get them, especially in 2022. It's a seller's market, after all. You just listened to another episode of Geeks Crossing. Did your favorite galaxy from Super Mario Galaxy 2 turn out to be friendly for average human settlement? Or does its real estate market leave a lot to be desired? Let us know in our Discord server or DM us on Instagram. Link is in the description of this episode, as always. Please continue to support us wherever you're listening to us right now, whether that be on Anchor, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Play, iHeartRadio, Audible, Amazon Podcasts, or any other major podcasting platforms. Be sure to tell your friends and family about us, especially any Mario fans in your life. And if you really can't get enough of us geeks, support the others on Twitch. Keith at Nuclear Bacons, Nick at Cryptolock Gaming, and Eric at E-Man the Legendary, which is also the name of his YouTube channel, where you can find more concise clips of his streams. Our favorite fifth member, Tyler, is also on Twitch at CarrotBite Gaming. Thank you so much for listening. My name is Matt, and welcome, New Galaxy!